Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome to Food for Thought. Michigan is 34th, not in college football recruiting or in the economic sense either. Michigan is often referred to as the comeback state by our governor and others. Recently, during the State of the State speech, Governor Snyder touted a Wall Street Journal article that declared Michigan as the comeback state and highlighted the major accomplishments that has been achieved under his leadership for both the business and therefore the economy. According to the American Health Rankings, we are not number one. We are the 34th healthiest state in the U.S., 34th. The top five healthiest states are Hawaii, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Minnesota, and Vermont. The bottom five are, as you might suspect, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Alabama, and Oklahoma. The top five least obese states are Colorado, Hawaii, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and California. The five most obese states are Mississippi, Louisiana, West Virginia, Alabama, and Michigan. Interesting, let's look at the top five states for reading level. That is third grade reading level by third grade. Top five, Vermont, Wyoming, Massachusetts, Minnesota, and Maine. And you guessed it, the top five healthiest states and the top five states for reading level, three of them are the same. The bottom five for reading level are Louisiana, Alabama, South Carolina, Mississippi, and Arizona. Three of the top five healthiest states are listed in the states with the best on schedule reading level. This measurement seems consistent to me. The healthier a state, the higher educational outcomes that seem to match. So where does Michigan rank in reading level? 35th. We're the 34th healthiest state, and we're 35th in reading level. Michigan ranks 4th in the most obese states, 34th in overall health, and 35th in reading levels. These are positions that, for the most part, have remained unchanged since the early 2000s. Michigan is the comeback state but not in some of the fundamental areas where it matters most. There is a common thread here. Do you see it? Health is related to the quality of life and the ability to achieve from the cradle to the grave. It is undeniably true. I think everything the governor touted in his victory lap should be celebrated. However, there are some fundamental opportunities that are disguised as challenges that have and should be addressed by our leadership, and it isn't just about potholes. It is about how food affects our health system, communities, and our children's ability to achieve in the classroom. One of the health systems that is looking at positive ways to impact their communities as it relates to access to healthy food is Rob Casalou. He's the CEO for St. Joseph Mercy Health Systems here in Michigan, and a part of Trinity Health, one of the largest systems in America. Rob is in our WJR studio, and Jerry Brisson and I are back to talk health, food security, and the passion Rob has for serving his communities. 
You come back and be with us. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Welcome back to Food for Thought, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight in the studio with Jerry Brisson, the CEO and President of Gleaners Community Food Bank, Chairman of the Food Bank Council Board of Directors, which I hate to remind you, makes you my boss. <laughs> you know, that was a lot to say about me, but the guest we have today has even more, and I think we should get right to it. All right. So we're happy to have in the studio Rob Casalou, who is the CEO for Mercy Health Systems on the west side of Michigan, and also the CEO for St. Joseph Mercy Hospital System here on the east side. Rob, welcome to WJR and Food for Thought. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So uh, we originally met um, at a Michigan Harvest Gathering event here in uh, Detroit at Gleaners uh, with a kickoff with uh, the Attorney General Bill Schuette. Mm-hmm. But then uh, I saw you on a panel, and in, in fact, I saw you in Chicago for the first Root Cause Coalition, and uh, and you and your team members were talking about the farming projects that you have at St. Joseph, and then I saw you in Louisville this year when you were part of a, a panel, and I thought, man, I have got to grab him and get him on the show, so thanks for taking the time today. Uh, thanks for letting me be here. Favorite topic to talk about. Well, that's 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 awesome to hear. Um, we shared off air that uh, we've been doing the show a little about thirteen months now, and um, and well more than sixty guests. And the amazing thing about it is how people from all sections across Michigan are recognizing not only the problem of food insecurity but the potential in solving it. And it, it, and in this political environment, it is an issue that unites us and never divides us. So we're pretty excited to have you here mm-hmm. and want to hear a little bit about um, your background, introduce yourself to our listeners, and then let's, we'll jump right into this, okay. this great topic. Well, glad. I'm a born and bred Southeast Michigan person, so I've been in Michigan all my life. And actually, from the days that I was at Ann Arbor getting my degrees at University of Michigan, I went into the auto, I was an auto industry guy for a few oh. years on the supply side and did that for about eight or nine years and had always wanted, I was one of those failed uh, pre-med students at the university <laughs> right? and I had wanted to be in healthcare, be a doctor. And I, you know, when you're getting B's and C's in organic chemistry and you're getting A's in business classes, God's telling you you're going to go a different route. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, my interest in healthcare took over and I went back and got my master's and ended up in, um, uh, in uh, hospital care uh, for the last 28 years. I've wow. worked in health systems. And it's occurred to me that if you look back th- during those 28 years and you look at the health systems in Michigan, the health systems have done really well. There's been a lot of growth. There was even right. an article this week about how well they're doing. If you go over the same 28 years and look at the health of the community that we serve, mm-hmm. any metric you want to, you know, obesity rates, hypertension, diabetes, look at any metric in those 28 years they've been in a downward slide. Wow. So I woke up one day and I said, you know, I don't want to have on my resume that I ran a successful health system while my community got sicker. 
Hmm. And so a few years ago, I said, you know, if I, I'm in a position, I've been privileged to, to work with some great organizations, I'm going to use the tools I have to try to make a difference. And that's where I got involved, like with the root cause, right. uh, doing some of the things I'm sure we'll talk about in Ann Arbor with the farm and, and all that. All really kind of a voicing frustration. You know, it's yeah. like an act of frustration. We got to do something knowing that we're never going to do it alone. And right. uh, so that's what brings me here to you today. Well, we, we say, often say that one is too small of a number to multiply. And so really anything of significance has to be a collaborative work. Mm-hmm. And um, it, so just to refresh everybody's memory, the root cause is a, is a coalition of, of, of health care providers and, and, and folks like ourselves from the food bank world and other um, entities that have come together to address the root causes of social determinants of health and um and 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 unfortunately we could say they're the social determinants of a lot of things that are wrong in our society and that they could be much better oh sure you know when when you look at the debates that we hear all the time around the affordable care act and all this stuff when you really look at that we're debating insurance coverage we're debating you know really how hospitals get paid and how doctors get paid we're in there mm-hmm. do they talk about food insecurity homelessness education the socioeconomic things that divide the communities and have the haves and have nots i think the discussion's in the wrong place right now and right. we're going to have to take matters into our own hands by doing some of the things that we're doing out in the community to try to move these social determinants when we start looking at from a food bank perspective how do we get to a food secure community we believe fundamentally you can't do it without engaging the people that win when the problem is solved Right. But when you start thinking about how many people win when the problem is solved, you can start to imagine maybe we can actually solve this. And we think there's so much going on in healthcare that intersects with that idea that it's it's a it's the right time to be moving from the idea to practically speaking, what kinds of partnerships are going to prove over time that it really makes a difference when you start solving for things like food insecurity. So I know we're at the end of the segment. We got to pay some bills, but. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. So you come back and be with us. Rob Castellew is here with us. He's the CEO for Mercy Health Systems and the St. Joseph Mercy Health System here in Michigan. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We'll be right back here on WJR. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here, Jerry Brisson, Rob Castellou is in the studio with us. And Jerry, um, I cut you off there at the last segment, so let me just throw it back to you because I know you want to. You've got some questions that you want to ask Rob about this this work and the stubborn problem of food insecurity that's plaguing so much of our community. And you know, really taking off on the idea that if the triple aim of healthcare is you know lower cost because we we have to stop the escalating cost of healthcare, patient health because as you just said, if patients aren't getting healthier, something's not working. But then population health, how do we get everyone moving in the right direction? If those are the three things that that healthcare is trying to address, mm-hmm. our position is if you put healthy food in the middle of that triangle. There's hardly anything that's going to move those three things more. 
I, I, I'd agree. You know, it, it sometimes becomes this debate, which social determinant, which lever will make the greatest difference. But if you look at some of the systemic health issues that we're dealing with in our communities, um, they tie back to nutrition, uh, access to food, um, lifestyle. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into exercise and all the other things, but food is a common denominator. Mm-hmm. And I liked your comment um, in the last segment about, you know, those who win if the problem gets solved. Well, think about it. Up till now, hospitals have won because the problem hasn't been solved. Because we make a good living taking care of really sick people plugged arteries and all the arteries we unplug and the surgeries we do. You know, we've had this perverse incentive to be just fine with sick care. And now Mm -hmm. as the world changed, and really it was an economic change, uh, it was a consumerism change, suddenly the product we need to sell is different. We're being forced into the triple aim. We didn't go voluntarily, by the (laughs) way, right? You know, about, you know, uh, about the quality of care, you know, about community health. Uh, and about the cost, and we are the most expensive country uh, in in the world, and we are 34th, last time I checked, in terms of overall health. So we're not even getting what we're paying for, and it comes back to what you were saying. If you look at some common denominators at the roots, nutrition is definitely there. And the exciting thing about what that means to us is that we have things that we can do for you and you have things that you can do for us so that we can actually, in a very scientific sort of way, start to prove the impact of what you just said. So it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to say, okay, so here's the patients, here's their conditions, here's the food, and here's what happened. And as we start going down that path, we can start to imagine that insurance companies who end up paying for a lot of this, and some of that's government insurance, right, can say, hey, you know, maybe we're not going to cover these other things if you're not taking care of food. Because at the end of the day, we know that if you don't take care of food, here's concretely what it's going to cost. Yeah. And that's that. while that path is going to take some time, we fundamentally, I mean, believe that food is medicine and access to healthy food regularly and consistently in a sustainable way over time, in fact, will accomplish a lot of the things that we need to accomplish to move the needle in the other direction. Yeah, I think the dilemma we face is timing sometimes. And, and we'll use this example. If you were just looking at the business case for how to lower the cost of Medicare, if the government was really interested, there's a couple ways you can do it. One is you can start investing in those things like the social determinants at the social level that will give you a return of a healthier community and lower health costs, right? But that hmm. takes a while. That takes years. Right. But we work in short-term horizons in the, in the budgets. So what's the better way? Just cut the fees or take away eligibility or reduce benefits because we have to solve that economic problem in Medicare right away. So the right thing to do is the long horizon. The political thing that often happens is what's what's happening right before us. And that's the struggle that I think we've had. We can make, you know, we can get everyone aligned on this issue. And I think we can actually, but it's going to take a while before we see the results. And a lot of people aren't patient enough to, to see the results. And the pressure is there and it's real. And part of the reason for this show, changing the conversation about food security in Michigan, is to bring these things up and say, okay, so we have a dilemma. How do we take some of that pressure off? 
And we think some of the ways, for example, is to engage the business community who's paying a lot for these insurance costs, right? And talking to them about what's happening with their employees, right? And what direction. So we all know it's easier to take a pill than to eat healthy. We all know it and we all do it. You know, and we all fall into that ourselves, right? So this isn't something that we don't understand, not just about the people we serve and the people who are food insecure, but every one of us. So that commonality can bind us together too. And we can say, okay, so if a healthy living HMO only works for a certain percent of people because there's only a certain percent of people willing to do it, what are the other things that we can bring to the table in terms of tools to drive results that aren't a healthy living HMO. And we really believe that looking at what food businesses can provide their employees and say, maybe that should be an employee benefit. What if healthy food were an employee benefit? How would that change the landscape of healthcare? Well, then who pays for that? Mm -hmm. So now you have legislators and you have government and you have other people that we're bringing to the show and bringing to the table to say, you know, we all know this is the right thing. So how do we encourage and support each other on that path? Yeah. Well, so, you know, think about what you just said in terms of what businesses can do. And we did this, too. When I first arrived at St. Joe's in Ann Arbor back in 2008, uh, I was amazed. You know, what a great hospital, great organization. You should have seen the cafeteria. First night I go down to have my first dinner in our cafeteria, all I could get was a cheeseburger that was soaking through the wrapper, you know, and, and wow. onion rings and all that. And we, I kind of looked at it and I said, well, one, you know, heal thyself, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, we went right away to change and, and, and make a statement as much as provide healthier right. options. And now it's a completely different story out there now. But then here's the other thing. You can provide employees at any business access to great food. You can even give it to them and have them take it home. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean it's necessarily going to change behavior. And I hate to say this, but and I can't cite all the studies, but I think uh, you your research would back this up. The number one lever that businesses can use to change the behavior of their employees in terms of their own personal health is financial. When they if they provide health insurance to their employees, if they mandate require certain behaviors, certain condition of health in order to receive the highest level of benefit. And if that number is significant enough, people will change their behavior for financial incentives. I, I always like to think we would do it for the right reason. We want to grow old, see our daughters down the aisles and see our grandchildren. Right. But more than anything, short-term people think about the financial impact. So it's really no different than the way the United States government is looking at this issue, as you just explained, mm -hmm. the short horizon and the long horizon. I mean, mm -hmm. it's the way we're all looking at it. Mm -hmm. I mean, th those pressures just come into play. So uh, I, I have to just pick your brain here about a concept that you 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 danced around that we talk about like here. In fact, I'd invite everybody to go back to our website, foodsecuremichigan.org, and listen to the monologue from July the 2nd, where we introduced a concept um, entitled Food First. So the, the premise is simply this. If you're hungry, you only have one problem. Your mind's under the toxic stress of food insecurity, and you're not free to think about a better job or more education, or you're worried about what am I going to eat today and what am I going to give my kids. And so our mission, so to speak, is to build this collaborative network so that we can take hunger off the table and replace it with access to healthy 
nutritious Michigan-grown food. <laughs> and so the idea then is that with, throughout our social programming, food first has to be a part of our screening, has to be a part of our programming. In fact, it has to be prioritized. And, and so I'd really like to get your reaction on the other side of the break here about this concept that you guys are talking about without naming. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. You didn't listen to my monologue. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, want, I, I really would like to get your, your take on the, just that concept because we've introduced it to some, some influential people like yourself, and I, I, I'd really like to have your take. We're going to do that with Rob Casalou, who's the CEO for Mercy Health System and with St. Joseph Mercy uh, Health System here on the east side of the state. Jerry Brisson, myself, Dr. Phil Knight, will be back in just a moment. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's Food for Thought here on WJR. Rob Casalou is in the studio with us with Jerry Brisson and myself, Dr. Phil Knight. Rob, I'd like to get your reaction just on that brief characterization about the priority of food within our social programming. Well, I, I love it, and I'll tell you why, for, uh, and I'll tell you what, what we're doing as an example about putting food first. Awesome. So, first of all, you can go a mile wide and an inch deep when you look at all the social determinants. And mm-hmm. we can argue all day long which one's most important. It's like saying right. which kid do you like the best of your family. <laughs> However, as I went back to something I said earlier, food becomes a common denominator. And I believe that if we're ever really going to show ourselves and the community that we can make a difference if we team up and i mean teaming up with businesses health systems teaming up community organizations food banks if we team up on this issue and we can actually solve it then we can move on to the next one as you were saying right now first thing you have to do though is identify where the issue is so i'll use the example we have a very large medical group that's part of st joe's in ann arbor washington county called iha integrated hospital associates over the last three months, they started social determinant screening for every patient who comes into their offices. Wow. So when a patient comes in, even an established patient, they go through a, a screening on food, on home, you know, ability right. to, if they have a house, anything that they may need. And they offer re- we offer resources through our medical practices if someone has a gap. And in that, we can identify food insecurity right out of the gate. Right. And direct them to a food bank or where our, our own farm, you know, yeah. where we have now a community-supported agriculture program. So we're giving CSA shares to families in need, so that we make sure we eliminate that that problem uh, out of their household. So it's a small example, Phil, of what we're right. doing, but it's something that we're finding is absolutely necessary. Wow, that is a powerful. It, it, it. It may be small, but as far as scale goes, but it is a powerful example of how do we put food first in our social thinking. And, you know, like we in the legislature, we pass a requirement on the public education system, third grade reading level by third grade. Well, come on. I mean, if they're not well fed, they're not going to be well read. Right. I mean, that's just not a bumper sticker. That's a fact. So how do we do that? And and screening people is the first is the is the first step, I think, and you guys are, are doing that with a tremendous example. Well, you know, we have to understand uh, there's there's sometimes stigmas associated with 
having a need of any kind. So people want to keep it private. Right. So if someone's going hungry or they're, they're not eating breakfast, which we know is extremely important to good education. Right. They don't want to talk about it because they're embarrassed or they feel that they're, you know, people are going to judge them sure. because of that. So in the privacy of a physician's office, what better place to have that private conversation? Right. Because people usually will let their hair down with, with a doctor or a nurse practitioner or someone to have or a social worker that we now embed in all of our practices just to make sure that we can have these kind of conversations that people aren't willing to have with their neighbor. Right. In our pilot with Henry Ford Health System, we decided not to make the food directly related to the need, even though it is from the screening. But it's the conversation is about health. And here's the foods that might make you feel better. Right. And so and the reason is for what you just said, that it's not necessary to make the need the primary issue. What's necessary is to have the person in need understand that the food you're giving them could help them feel better. And that's a very different conversation and why these partnerships are so important. We know that going to a pantry is a stigma and it keeps people from getting the food they need. Mm -hmm. If they're already getting treated by you, the healthcare system, it's not necessary for us to point out the fact that they need food. (laughs) They know it. We've screened for it. But it is important for them to know, look at this healthy food that can help you feel better and maybe keep you out of the hospital. And let's just say that's cost effective, but it's also time effective. Nobody wants to be spending more time in the hospital. Right. No, it, that, that's absolutely true. And I know that we've had a discussion, too, that um, not everybody is going to go to a food bank or a St. Joe's farm or a place to get, quote, free food. So then you look at the access issue and the cost of good food. And that's been an issue. Let's be honest. You know, sometimes getting fresh vegetables, fresh fruits is very expensive compared to buying something that's processed and packaged and even, even fast food, unfortunately. So, um, we also have to solve the supply chain issue of healthy food to make it affordable, uh, for the average household. And then that's a, a, another, uh, take us down another path, but that's that's another issue uh, that we find. But what's the least expensive food in the food pipeline? Least expensive. Fresh, Fresh produce food. from farms. It is oh. the least expensive food in the pipeline. So so it can be done. The, the issue is it only lasts so long. So you pick celery or lettuce or carrots or, you know, whatever you want from that. Apples, I mean, you know, and people love those foods. It's not that people don't want them, mm-hmm. but you have a limited amount of time once that's picked to consume it. And so you have timing issues in all this, too, in terms of, well, how do you make that pipeline work in real time so that it's the freshest, best-tasting food people can have? I ran into a woman at the Eastern Market one time. This discussion was coming up and you know one thing i was marveling at at the time was that in detroit we have a lot of urban farming popping up as these uh, homes have been demolished and uh, the mayor was selling side lots for like a hundred dollars if you keep it up a lot of these farms were popping up which is great but now the problem was you harvest and you can only eat it for a short period of time well she came up with the idea well i'm going to can things so she just taught herself how to do canning and then she could keep good, healthy food on the shelf, not processed, for a long period of time. So there's there's little angles we can put on this to help people. It's not expensive to help them preserve you know, some of the healthy things that they're acquiring. And breaking the problem down into chunks this way 
is how it gets solved. Yeah. Who needs to be part of it? How do they need to be part of it? How do you break it down? You know, some of this, if you, if you did a wheel... Uh, part of the wheel is going to be, oh, that's easy. You've got somebody who's fairly healthy. They've got a home. They can do all this. They want to grow a garden, right? So maybe that's easy. And then you have less easy. Maybe they don't Maybe they don't have the physical ability or the property or the space to do that. And then you have things that are actually hard. Well, you don't have to solve this problem at the hardest point. You just start breaking down what you can do, how that creates results, what the return on that investment is, and step by step by step, you get to the end of the problem. Right. And that's so important in these conversations. We can all get lost in what's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, back to your conversation about Henry Ford for a moment, who I admire, because Henry Ford has done a great job on this issue, as has ProMedica in, in Toledo. Uh, they've been a leader in the root cause. Yeah. Uh, really admire what Randy Ostra has done uh, in, at ProMedica. And we go one step further than saying food will just make you feel better. What you really have to do is start with a conversation with every individual. What do you want out of life? What are your mm-hmm. goals? Well, I want to see my kids go to college. I want to be a grandparent. I, whatever it may be, right. you start with that destination and say, well, you know what? You're not on a path to get there right now. So we're going to have to get you on that path, and this is how we're going to do it. And, yeah, food will make you feel better, but you know what? Healthy food will also get you to that destination that you're looking for. And a lot of times we're looking, you know, two feet in front of our face of what we got to get done today, and we're not thinking about our long-range goals. And then they end up in a hospital bed, they're debilitated, and the next thing you know, their dreams go up in flames, and they look back and say, why didn't I do things differently? So I, I love that. Begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. It, 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 make, it reminds me of, you know, if you... If you want to sail the ocean, you don't assign tasks to people to build a boat. You you teach them to, to love the adventure of the sea. Mm-hmm. And that, that'll inspire them to go get the wood <laughs> and build a boat and make mm-hmm. the sail. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I, I, I love that part. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that is an essence of leadership. So we, we're, we're coming kind of to the close here, but I, I got to ask you, um, where did those thoughts come from? Is it from your experience? This begin with the end in mind because you've said some concepts here today in these segments that are Jerry, I think are pretty powerful, and yeah. I really haven't heard before. So, well, they're my personal values. I started with myself. You know, I, I was at a at a point about fifteen twenty years ago where I was not in good health. I was overweight, uh, and I had a very close friend look at me one day and said, you're a metabolic mess. And I looked at my kids, and I looked at my life, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to get to where I want to go. So I started with myself, and Mm -hmm. when I put that into play, it changed my life. And then I went on a journey uh, personally, and I realized if I could do it, anyone could do it. And and so that's – I just – taking now what I've learned about myself and put it into what I do for a living. Right. And uh, that's what makes it fun because I believe truly in everything that we're trying to get done. Wow. That's powerful statements. And uh, Rob, I got to just say thank you for taking the time to be with us today and uh, share these. And uh, Jerry said earlier, that we're not going to play this show one time. This is going to get replayed. <laughs> but I'm going to follow up with that and say, 
Um, I mean, it was a little bit of a trip over downtown here, but we'd love to have you back to continue this conversation. It would be my pleasure. It yeah. would be my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, as, as this is uh, food for thought, and our objective is to help change the conversation. And the work and leadership you're providing is is a great examples to how the conversation can be changed and how it positively affects people's lives, not just patients, but also communities. Yep. Great to have you. Jerry and I will be right back to wrap up this show here on WJR. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening to Food for Thought here. We really appreciate it. Jerry, I appreciate Rob Casalou and the, I guess, where his leadership originates from. It's yeah. from It's from the essence of his character and who he is. You know, I was so happy to hear him talk about how much this means to him personally, to the degree that he changed his own life, because he knows you can't ask someone else to do what you're not willing to do yourself. Can't lead where you've never been. That's exactly right. And so, you know, that's the kind of leadership that matters on a fundamental level. And and I can only imagine that the people working for him have to be really proud and motivated by that. Yeah, I think so. So what do you think about some of the things that he says, some of the concepts, um, not just from his own personal, but really how those are applying in his leadership over this very large and he's over the entire state of Michigan now for this this hospital system. You know, I like the way he connected the dots and it's some of the things that we've been talking about that he really said very succinctly. We all have a role to play. It's how do we bring us all together in a way that gets us to play the game so that it can be won, right? And so he talked about business's role and individual's role and the health system role and and that all of us have to be mindful together about crafting these solutions. And I, I just like the way he connected all those dots. I, from, from our perspective, with, with our feet on the ground, it's what we see in the community as well. So, Jerry... We have some great guests like Rob that come on the show, and I think they're spectacular, and they all have a little different angle toward food insecurity and a little different role to play. But his full-time job is, Rob's full-time job is to be the leader of this health system, Yep. right? Rob Fowler, his job is to, while he's concerned about it and the effect it has on businesses and families... For the Small Business Association, that's his job. It occurs to me more and more that the job of the Food Bank Council of Michigan and our network of seven food banks serving entire county, the, the entire state, this is our job. Exactly right. Exactly right. And it's very affirming to know that if our job is to pull these threads together and create a blueprint for how this problem can be solved... We got the support of some pretty significant people who agree and are willing to work at it because that's the real rubber meets the road issue. Everyone agrees. 
It's will you be willing to work at it? And with the examples that Rob gave on the show today, whether it's the farm or or whether it's the the initiatives he's doing within his well, the screening exactly right. You know, critically, we're already working on it, um, and let's keep adding more work and more research and more outcomes so that we can get to an end game where this thing can be solved. I think it, it just when I listen to them, folks, leaders like Rob that we've had on the show over the past 13 months, it it really tells me that this is our job, this is our role, and they're going to help us. They're going to be there. They're going to share our pain. They're going to share our price. They're going to share our priority. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. going to share those things with us, but it's up to us, as you said, to pull the strings in the tapestry so this collaborative work comes together. Yep. And we got a lot of signatures on that blueprint. We do. You know, and it, that's critically important. Well, time for a little food for thought. I say it every week as I close out the show. Remember, food first, folks. Food first. I'm going to keep saying it until the right people hear it and understand the simplicity of its concept and or enough people hear the words and do more than pour ice water over their head. They move and come alongside of us and help us create both the personal and the political will it takes to solve hunger in our state. 34th in health, 35th in reading level, and 4th in obesity. We should all be embarrassed. Thank God for leaders like Rob Castleu, who sees the potential and the possibility to create solutions to this stubborn problem of hunger. We are on our way to creating food security in our state, and we need you to come alongside of us. Think about it. Figure out how you can help by insisting on our social programming, live by the value of food first. Food first, folks. Food first. Don't forget to tune in next week here on WJR at 9 p.m. on Sunday evenings. Follow me on Twitter at DrPhil14 and catch up to all of our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. In the meantime, remember, food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.